Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Sherry. Huge announcement. I am now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'll put the links below. I'm super happy and I waited two years for this, so this is like a huge thing for me. Now you guys can lock the screen on your phone while listening. This case is super recent, like there's still daily news reports on it. Suzanne Morphew is a 49-year-old wife and mother of two daughters who, on Mother's Day 2020, goes out for a bike ride. She never returned home. This case is a wild one, and we're going to get right into it. My sources are listed in the description area of the video. This is the case of Suzanne Morphew. This story takes place in 2020. Suzanne disappeared on Mother's Day, so this is all happening during the heart of the pandemic. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle quit the royal family. The world lost Kobe Bryant, Eddie Van Halen, Alex Trebek, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Sean Connery, and Chadwick Boseman. Black Lives Matter protests are happening all over the country after the death of George Floyd. The COVID-19 vaccine was rolled out. A nurse from New York City was the first to receive the vaccine. It was televised live, and then everyone scrambled to get their immunization. And lastly, Parasite won Film of the Year at the Oscars. Suzanne Morphew is a 49-year-old woman at the time the story takes place in 2020. She is married to her husband, Barry. They were married in 1994. They have two teenage daughters, and they live in Colorado in this gorgeous $1.5 million home on seven acres of land surrounded by mountains. They moved here in 2018, so they're not really from the area. They lived in Indiana and had only been at their new home in Colorado for two years when this story takes place. Suzanne was a middle school teacher, but eventually ends her career so she could be a full-time mom to the two girls, and Barry owns a landscaping company. He is also a volunteer firefighter. Both had graduated from Purdue University. Barry was a really good baseball player and at one time had been drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays, but his baseball career ended before it really took off due to an injury. Suzanne is like this fitness mom. It sounds like the complete opposite of myself. She enjoyed working out and recently began mountain bike riding. She was described as super nice to everyone. People say she didn't have a mean bone in her body. She often made cookies and treats for Barry's employees and their families. She was very timid, passive, quiet, and peaceful. Barry, on the other hand, was this macho guy. He was dominating and intimidating and still a respected business owner. Barry is one of those guys whose life revolves around work, steak, and hunting. On Sunday, May 10th, 2020, this is also Mother's Day, Suzanne and Barry's teenage daughters were on their way home from a camping trip in Idaho. They grow concerned because they can't reach their mom on her phone. She hasn't been answering all day. They want to wish her a happy Mother's Day. Barry can't reach her either, and he's three hours away in Denver for a job. He had gotten a hotel room since he was so far from home. Barry contacts a neighbor and asks them to go check on Suzanne. The neighbor's wife comes back and said her Range Rover is there, but she's not answering the door. He asks them if they could go over and see if her mountain bike is still there, since she likes to go out for bike rides around their house. They tell him her mountain bike is gone. Barry then asks the neighbor to call the police. Now, Barry had booked a hotel that day in Denver since his crew of men were working in that area. Before Barry heads home, he drops off some tools to his workers at the hotel where he had booked a room and then he heads home. It's about 6 p.m., so he's not going to get home until 9 p.m., 
When he gets there, a search is well underway. The police have some questions for him, especially when was the last time he saw Suzanne. He said yesterday, which was Saturday, they had a great day together. He made steaks on the grill for dinner, they made love, and then they went to bed. He set an alarm for 4.15 that morning. He left her sleeping early that Sunday morning as he went off to the job. He texted her that morning and said, Are you up? Happy Mother's Day. But she never responded. It's obvious at first that Suzanne took off on her bicycle. She was new to mountain biking, so everyone believes she likely had an accident or she was kidnapped while riding. Their house sits surrounded by boulders and mountains, so it's this perfect area to go mountain biking. They had a lot of beautiful land. Suzanne's mountain bike was located very early on. It was located on the side of a boulder. However, there was no indication of a crash or skid marks. It was just kind of thrown on the hill. It's surrounded by vegetation, so it was a little hard to find. Officers say they believe it was purposely placed there. Suzanne's turquoise bike helmet was found four days later on the side of Highway 50. It was one mile from where her bicycle was found. It was just kind of tossed there. It looked like someone just threw it out of a vehicle while they were driving down the road. No clothing, blood, or evidence of a struggle were found near the bike or Suzanne's helmet. Her sunglasses and hydration backpack were found inside her car, and she always took those with her when she went on bike rides. This leads investigators to believe the scene may have been staged and that Suzanne never really went out for a bike ride that Mother's Day morning. Inside her car, they also found her driver's license and credit cards. Search efforts continued into the next day. On May 14th, Barry offers a $100,000 reward for anyone who can locate his wife. A friend of the couple's offers an additional $100,000. At this time, it's around one week since Suzanne has been missing. The sheriff's office has dive teams out searching water in the area. They also ask anyone in the area who has video cameras on their house to come forward with anything that shows cars in the area that day. Barry goes live on Facebook and pleads for his wife's safe return. He says, Oh, Suzanne, if anyone is out there that can hear this, that has you, please, we'll do whatever it takes to bring you back. We love you. We miss you. Your girls need you. Now authorities are going to focus on the house and deep dive into Barry and Suzanne's marriage and their personal lives. This is where things begin to get really strange. So, Things seem okay on the outside looking in. They're a beautiful family and seem to really have their lives together. They have two teenage daughters, one who is in college. They have been married since 1994. But this marriage was not what it seemed. Suzanne and Barry had been fighting constantly. Two days before Suzanne disappeared, she texted her sister that she was having concerns about her safety She said her marriage had deteriorated over the last several years. She sent her sister this really long message detailing a lot. One part read, He's also been abusive emotionally and physically. It's been hard dealing with the harsh abrasiveness and having to show respect. I feel more angry now, anger at what I've allowed. She also confided in some of her close friends about Barry's abusive behavior. Dozens of text messages were revealed publicly eventually, and they were incredibly sad to read. They also found notes that Suzanne had written in her phone. 
Now, her phone wasn't located, but they were able to retrieve them through her iCloud account. The notes detailed how miserable she was being married to Barry. Suzanne tells a friend in a text message, I feel no peace when he is here. I do not feel safe. She also says how Barry refuses to divorce her. He won't even speak of divorce. Susan even started a secret bank account that she was making small deposits into to possibly save for her life away from Barry. She had a note in her phone titled Grievances, where it listed 50 reasons why she did not want to be married to Barry. Some include wedding ring, which details on one instance where Barry had taken her wedding ring and he had melted it down. Another read women on Facebook. Another talked about their trip to Mexico when he grabbed her phone and tried to go through it. Mental abuse when drinking on New Year's Eve. Slams on brakes when angry. The inside of Barry and Suzanne's home looks completely normal. While searching the master bedroom, they find a device in the walk-in closet. The device is called a spy pen. It looks like a regular pen, but it's voice activated. When it senses a voice, it starts recording. So Suzanne had this pen because she wanted to see if she could catch Barry having an affair. Well, it actually ended up doing the opposite. It recorded phone conversations Suzanne was having. Suzanne was having an affair with a man from Michigan named Jeff Libler. Jeff is a married father of six. He and Suzanne had met up for trips and communicated almost every single day using WhatsApp, so neither of them would get caught. This affair had been going on for two years. Suzanne and Jeff went to high school in Indiana together, and one night in 2018, Suzanne found Jeff on Facebook and messaged him, Howdy, stranger. This turned into a two-year-long affair. Suzanne and Jeff often talked about leaving their partners to be together, Suzanne once said she would live in a shack if she had to. She just wanted to be away from Barry. Now, at the time this spy pen is found, police don't know who her lover's name was or who he is because he had deleted all of his social media accounts and wiped just about every trace of himself from the internet. Suzanne was also super careful not to keep anything about Jeff in her phone, which seems impossible since they were communicating every day, multiple times a day. It took six months for investigators to find out just who he is. He said the reason he never came forward after Suzanne went missing is because he didn't want to tarnish her memory, and also because he didn't want his wife and six kids to find out he was having an affair, and he also didn't want to lose his job. He went to great lengths to hide their affair. And just to give you guys a spoiler alert, Jeff was 100% cleared as a suspect. He was in Michigan at the time. He had solid alibis. There was zero evidence that he had anything to do with her disappearance. Jeff also fully cooperated. He provided passwords for every account he deleted. He also provided his DNA and all of his phone records. The day of Suzanne's disappearance, Jeff had used his credit card multiple times in Michigan and their surveillance video of him walking into a 7-Eleven. Suzanne and Jeff had talked every single day, almost every hour. They exchanged 60 text messages the day she disappeared. In one message, she tells him, I just love you so much. She sent him a selfie, and this was her last proof of life photo. This was around 2 o'clock p.m., he messaged her back and she never responded. This is believed to be the time that she disappeared. At this same time, Barry came home. 
His cell phone data shows that he was pulling his truck into their house. Then it showed him running around the outside of the house. It showed he moved back and forth for minutes around the house very rapidly. When asked about this, Barry says he came home and saw a chipmunk outside, so he wanted to kill it. He said he's a hunter. That's what he does. Over the years, he's killed 85 chipmunks, so this isn't anything new. They're a constant nuisance around their property, he says. Now, Barry had given 23 interviews so far with police. Never once was the chipmunk brought up until they asked him about why his cell phone was pinging like crazy all around the outside of the house. This chipmunk alibi was super incriminating because it's just so ridiculous that investigators believe he just made it up off the top of his head. It is believed at the time his cell phone pinged all around the house that he actually came home, saw Suzanne sunbathing and communicating with her lover, or he came home and she told him that she was leaving, one or the other. He knows their girls aren't home because they're off camping in a different state. He goes to his garage, grabs his tranquilizer gun that he uses to hunt and shoots her with it. The movement around the house was when Suzanne had been shot with the tranquilizer gun and was still trying to get away, fighting the effects of the tranquilizer. Investigators found a cap from a tranquilizer dart inside the family's dryer, but there was no evidence of any tranquilizer gun or other darts and chemicals to, that go with the gun during their investigation. This leads police to believe that he disposed of them. Barry told investigators he had no idea how the cap got in the dryer. His lawyers say there's no way to prove how long it had been there. Barry admitted he was an experienced tranquilizer dart gun shooter, and he knows how to load darts with paralyzing chemicals. What he does is he shoots deer with the tranquilizer gun. He then removes their antlers to sell, and then the deer wake up eventually and run away with no antlers. This process is highly illegal and so wrong and disturbing in so many ways. Remember I told you that Barry said on May 9th, which is the day before Mother's Day, he and Suzanne had a wonderful day together and had dinner. They went to bed early and so on. It's hard to believe that because of the message she sent to her sister just a day earlier detailing how awful he was. Just four days before Suzanne disappeared, she sent a text to Barry that said, I'm done. I could care less about what you're up to and have been for years. We just need to figure this out civilly. That message was deleted by Barry, but investigators were able to recover it. It's obvious Suzanne just wants a divorce and Barry isn't going to let her divorce him. At 2.47 p.m., Barry's phone goes into airplane mode. This is literally minutes after he was supposedly chasing the chipmunk around the outside of the house. It stayed in airplane mode until 10 p.m., and then it was taken off airplane mode and put back on. This went on well into the night and early the next morning. Authorities believe it was during this time Barry had killed Suzanne and was cleaning up the mess and disposing of evidence. It was mentioned that on this day, Barry had the blade on his bobcat changed. But Barry's phone was in airplane mode, and because of that, investigators have no way of knowing where he was or what he was doing. However, there may be one extremely high-tech way for them to find out. Before this case, I had never even heard of this kind of technology, but investigators knew about this and decided to tap into it, and it's a very new technology. It's called Digital Vehicle Forensics. 
There is this software that was created by a corporation called Burla. Its technology can tap into your vehicle's computer and pull data from it. If this were to be applied to my vehicle, as an example, it would show I opened my car door at 8 o'clock a.m. I started my vehicle. I backed it down my driveway and onto the road. I drove 20 miles per hour through my neighborhood. You guys see where I'm getting at. Well, they're going to pull the data from Barry's Ford F-350 truck. This is very new technology, and it's just crazy how the, they can even do this. At 4.44 p.m., Barry's truck door opened and closed. At 5.25 p.m., the gear shift went from park to reverse, and it moved backwards in the driveway 95 feet. This gives me Chris Watts vibes. Remember, he killed his wife and daughters, and a neighbor's ring camera caught him backing his truck up to the garage. Barry Morphew told investigators that he went to bed around 8 o'clock p.m. on May 9th. His phone was taken off airplane mode at 10.17 p.m., and it was home. At 3.25 a.m., Barry's truck doors were opened and closed multiple times, but it never left the location. However, his phone moved towards the location where the bike was found. His truck heads west when he was supposedly heading towards that job site. The problem is that to get to the job site, he would have had to start out going east. Instead, it's going in the opposite direction, which is right next to where Susan's bike helmet was found. Barry said the reason that he drove that way is because he spotted an elk and wanted to turn around and grab his gun and go kill it. Next are the trash runs. Barry goes to various public trash cans and disposes of things. When questioned about this, he says he wasn't doing anything shady. Well, he was, but what he was doing was being cheap. He doesn't want to pay for trash removal, so he just drives around getting rid of trash at public places. At 4.31 a.m. on May 10th, Barry's phone went back into airplane mode. His phone came back online and he traveled towards Broomfield. Broomfield is a town right outside of Denver. Denver. He's still about three hours away from home. At 8.10 a.m., he stopped at a bus stop in Broomfield. His passenger door, door opened and according to the data, it took him about two minutes to throw something away that was a few feet from his truck. Then he goes into the Holiday Inn Express, the hotel I told you guys about earlier. He texts Suzanne that he made it there. He leaves the hotel at 921. He drives to a McDonald's and throws away more trash. This time, he's out of the truck and pushing the trash down hard into the trash can. This is all on surveillance outside of the McDonald's. He then goes to the car wash, and then he goes to a men's warehouse parking lot for another trash run, which lasts 40 minutes. He goes back to his hotel room, changes shirts, and heads to the job site and starts a retaining wall. He tries to call Suzanne, but doesn't get an answer. He also calls his daughters. At 12.27 p.m., Barry is spotted next to the hotel throwing bags away in a dumpster. It's been mentioned that Barry maybe didn't even head to this job to start the retaining wall. I've heard conflicting reports about that. Barry stayed at the hotel until evening, and now we're back to where we were when he contacted the neighbor about going over to his house to see if Suzanne was there because she wasn't answering her phone. The workers of Barry's stated that Barry's hotel room reeked of chlorine. 
This makes us think he was using chemicals to clean up the mess. However, the hotel owner says that the smell was there before Barry ever got there, and the reason was because there was a pool there and a lot of the rooms smell like chlorine. It was also peak COVID time, and maintenance is doing a lot more cleaning than usual. What I find so mysterious is this entire time, there isn't even a single drop of blood. I just want to, like, I want to say that the guy is good, but using a chipmunk as an alibi disproves that. But he seems to be really keeping track of his movements. I think it's important to reiterate Barry was a well-liked guy. He was a successful businessman. He had friends and colleagues, and he was a volunteer fireman. He wasn't some creepy villain type. He seemed to be a very upstanding community member. He would freely help his workers out with extra money if they needed it. He honestly seems to be living two different lives. Suzanne tells friends in text messages that he is like Jekyll and Hyde. He truly had everybody fooled except Suzanne. Even his daughters say that their parents used to argue a lot, but he never physically abused her. Searches will continue for the next 12 months. The police say to preserve the integrity of this investigation, we cannot reveal all we have learned, nor all that we are doing. Suzanne's brother led one of the searches and hundreds turned out for it. It wouldn't be until May 5th, 2021. This is just a few days away from one year since Suzanne went missing. Barry Morphew is arrested. He was taken in without incident. He is charged with first-degree murder, which is extremely hard to prosecute without a body, but they have so much circumstantial evidence that they are confident the charge will stick. He was also charged with tampering with evidence and attempting to influence a public servant. They also added tampering with a deceased human body and possession of a dangerous weapon. The next day, he has his first court appearance. His daughters 100% support him and say he did not kill their mom. Now, there is something that I am dying to tell you guys, something that could change the entire way that you look at this case. My jaw hit the floor because everything I've told you could be thrown out of the window, okay? Inside of Suzanne's Range Rover SUV, on the outside of the glove box, there was DNA found. The DNA was tested, and it belonged to a male. The DNA did not match Barry. The DNA did not match Jeff, her lover in Michigan. Whose DNA was this? Well, it was a partial match to DNA that was found in three recent unsolved sexual assault cases. And let that sink in for a minute. That could literally change everything. There was a 131-page affidavit that was released in this case. Luckily, I read the whole thing, so you guys don't have to. I'm just going to give you the highlights. It reads, around 2.30 p.m. on Saturday, May 9th, it had become clear that Barry could not control Suzanne's insistence on leaving him, and he resorted to something he has done his entire life, hunt and control Suzanne like he had hunted and controlled animals, end quote. He described Suzanne as being drunk that afternoon. It's believed he is subconsciously referring to her as being tranquilized. The first thing that tipped investigators off was the haphazard way Suzanne's bike was just kind of tossed and it landed at the location. Also, because her sunglasses and water pack, which she always takes with her when she goes bike riding, were found in her car. 
The affidavit also read that at 2.47 p.m. on May 9, 2020, until 5.37 a.m. on May 10, 2020, he took steps to dispose of evidence in Suzanne's disappearance and death, creating a false alibi for himself and getting rid of a crime scene. Barry changed his story multiple times to match whatever new evidence they showed him. In the first few days of the investigation, authorities saw scratches on Barry's arm. He says that that was from when they were hiking in the area days prior. The affidavit read that Suzanne had recently started using THC gummies and edibles and that she was buying them illegally from someone in town. Barry gave investigators the name of the person and said maybe that person is a suspect. Remember Barry said the night before he had cooked them steaks on the grill and had a wonderful night? They asked if he and Suzanne ate on separate plates, and he said, yeah. Well, only one dirty plate was found in the dishwasher. He says it's because he had hand-washed his plate and put it back in the cabinet. Barry also told investigators that if Suzanne would have asked him for a divorce, he would have written her a check for half of their estate and let her on her way. We know this isn't true because in text messages that Suzanne had sent Barry mentioning divorce, he threatened suicide. The affidavit describes Barry as one who lives a double life, a liar, an adulterer, a bully, one that has to have control, cunning. He fools a lot of people, he loves money, and he treats his wife and daughters as trophies. This past April, right before Barry's trial was set to begin, District Attorney Linda Stanley filed a motion to dismiss the charges without prejudice, meaning prosecutors will be able to refile charges against Barry Morphew at a later date if new evidence presents itself. But for now, Barry Morphew is free to go. He is a free man. Barry and Suzanne's daughters, as well as Suzanne's own brother, supported this. Suzanne's brother said his focus is just on finding Suzanne and bringing closure to their family. Barry was charged with forgery for submitting a fraudulent vote for Donald Trump on his missing wife's behalf. He mailed it in because he said his wife would have wanted that. He also believed the election was rigged and that Donald Trump was really the winner. Something that bugs me is the DNA match. Obviously, all signs point to Barry coming home and murdering his wife, but why was this DNA in her car? If she were assaulted by this unknown male, she would have came home and filed a police report and told her family and friends. She's not going to come home, sunbathe, and send selfies to her lover and discuss her plans for divorce. I just don't understand it because I'm 99% sure that Barry killed her. I could understand DNA being found on the outside of her car because every day we all park our cars and then we walk away from them. But on the inside of the car is a different story. On May 6, 2022, which is literally just days ago as I'm telling you this story, Barry and his two daughters were interviewed on Good Morning America. The couple's daughter, Mallory, says, We've been silent for a long time and we've decided that we finally want to break the silence. It's been an emotional roller coaster, but we feel like we can finally take our first steps in healing, which is a blessing, and we know our dad better than anyone else, and he was not involved in our mom's disappearance. Barry says, I just love my girls, and I love my wife, and I just want her to be found. 
Barry's lawyer states that the whole case was mishandled. They plan to file a complaint against the district attorney. She says prosecutors need to be held responsible and they need to pay for the damage they've caused to Barry, which is frankly nearly irreparable at this point because it's hard for anybody to believe that Barry is not who they claim he was. Barry admits that yes, the evidence in this case makes him look bad. He regrets giving over 40 interviews without a lawyer present. A lawyer would have advised him to keep his mouth shut. The vibe a lot of people get from Barry is he's just a man who likes hunting and he talks too much. Others believe Barry is 100% guilty. He's a piece of shit who murdered his wife because he didn't want her to divorce him and take half of his stuff. It's very unlikely that Suzanne is alive. Her credit cards have never been used again. Her cell phone has never been found. The latest in this case I just read yesterday is that detectives believe they are very close to finding Suzanne's body. The ground is thawing. They believe Suzanne is buried under the ground below several feet of snow. They are hopeful to make a discovery in the next few weeks. What do you guys think? Do you guys think Barry murdered his wife? Do you think it was all just circumstantial evidence? Do you think DNA found in Suzanne's car could be linked to her disappearance? I will update with any new information that comes out over the next few months. As always, my sources for the show are listed in the description area. That's it for this week, and I'll see you all again soon. Take care, and much love to you all.